Hey guys and welcome back to the channel. This is going to be an exciting video. ATP Top 10 2023 predictions. We're going to go into it. As you can see on screen, if you're watching the video version, we have our current Top 10 year end of 2022. So this is now locked in. I'll quickly go through the Top 10 of this year and then give you guys my predicted Top 10, which will be interesting. I'm sure a lot of you will disagree and hopefully some of you will agree as well. Before we get into it, though, remember to hit that like button and do subscribe if you are new. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, do remember to leave a rating or review. It really does help us out. Thank you to those who have also become a member on YouTube. It really, really does help us out to support the channel by liking, subscribing, and becoming a member. And thank you so much in advance for a terrific year. Okay, let's then quickly go into the current top 10 uh, or the year-end 2022 uh, top 10 players of this year. Now, the rankings are a little bit <clears throat> skewed. Maybe not the right word, but strange, I think, is the right word to, to say. The factors involved in making it strange, well, there's a few. The first one is the fact that Djokovic, of course, wasn't able to play two of the Grand Slams due to the whole vaccination status thing. <clears throat> A visa situation in Australia in the US didn't let him in, although last year they had let him in, which was interesting. And then on top of that, we had some players like Medvedev, like Rublev, who you can see at seven and eight there, they weren't able to play Wimbledon, uh, which is then also a very interesting thing to factor in because they weren't allowed to participate whatsoever. Now, whether that changes for 2023, I think remains to be seen. I am going to make some assumptions when I do my predicted top 10 um, because, you know, I, I think I'm going to have to go with my gut and just assume what I think will happen in terms of that and also uh, Djokovic being allowed to play where. So from what we know, Djokovic will be allowed to play the Australian Open 2023 tournament. Whether he can play the US Open, I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm going to assume that he's going to be able to play all four slams, as long as he stays fit, of course. I'm also going to assume that Medvedev and Rublev can play Wimbledon. Again, both of my assumptions here may not necessarily be true, but those are the assumptions I'm going with, so they need to be factored in. Let's quickly do a quick rundown, so you can see Alcaraz there, the US Open champion. Uh, he's the one that ended up topping the rankings with 6,820 points. Nadal at second, he won the first two Grand Slams of the year, Australian Open, and also Roland Garros. Kasper Ruud, an incredible year, uh, you know, for him personally. No slams, but two Grand Slam finals, making the finals of the French Open or Roland Garros, and also the US Open. And then Sissipas at four. Now, this is an interesting one because he didn't have a particularly good year in terms of slam results only made the semi-finals of the Australian Open. And apart from that, it makes pretty grim reading for him. Went out pretty early at the French Open to Holger Rune, lost to Kyrgios in Wimbledon in the third round. At the US Open, he lost in the first round to Galan, the Colombian, in a massive upset. So the back end of the year, in terms of slam results, wasn't good, but he played really well in the indoor swing right at the end of the year. Um, and, you know, I think it goes without saying that he's been very good in patches this year, uh, but hasn't been able to replicate his best form when it comes to Grand Slams. And 
That one needs to be factored in when we predict our top 10 because I'll also be looking at which players will be able to gain points, right? Because the players that have won slams or the players that have gone very deep in a lot of them, they will then have to defend those points, right? So they do less well than they did last year. They're going to end up losing points, whereas someone like a Sitsipas at the US Open next year, he makes a semi-final, he gains a whole lot of points there. And that then, of course, affects his rating in a positive way. Uh, Djokovic, similarly, of course, didn't play two of the slams. So he will only gain points from those, uh, which will be, you know, very advantageous. Uh, he did win Wimbledon, of course, so he'll be defending his points there. He'll go into that the favourite. And in <clears throat> at Roland Garros, lost in the quarterfinals to Nadal in a very, very good match. Felix had a, a similarly disappointing, I think, Grand Slam set of results to Sitsipas. Uh, the only shining light, I think, was the was Roland Garros in the sense that, well, no, I, we can talk about Australian Open first because he made the quarterfinals there. That was good. The disappointment, I think, would have been that he was two sets of love up against Medvedev and then didn't manage to convert and then push on because he was playing some very good tennis. Uh, ended up losing in five. At Roland Garros, he managed to push Rafa to five in the fourth round. Now, he'd never won a match at Roland Garros until 2022. So his link up with Tony Nadal on the clay clearly being beneficial for him in 2022. And I wouldn't be surprised if he also goes similarly deep in not just Roland Garros, but other clay court tournaments as well. And of course, had a fantastic indoor swing at the end of the year. Uh, but for him, would have been disappointed to lose to Jack Draper early on in the second round, if I'm not mistaken, at the US Open. And at Wimbledon, lost in the first round to Maxine Cressy. So those two slams, Wimbledon and the US Open, in my eyes, and I think from what I've seen and what I've heard of him, are probably his two favourite slams. So he's really underperformed in those, which to me means that he's probably going to kick on next year, you would assume. Medvedev, uh, you know, I mean, the disappointment of the Australian Open final against Nadal when he was two sets of love up and a break, if I'm not mistaken, was a turning point. And it was a shame because it was so early in the year, but it just didn't really seem to ever recover for the rest of the year, honestly. And I know that's a very general and sweeping statement to make, but in all honesty, he didn't because the year before, 2021, he made the semi-finals of Roland Garros, which was, you know, in some people's eyes would say that was an overachievement, but he then fell earlier uh, to Marin Cilic as well, albeit at, the, at Roland Garros this year um, before the quarterfinal stage. Uh, so it didn't make anywhere near what the same result he did last year. At Wimbledon, of course, he didn't manage to play that, so that has to be factored in. And at the US Open, he lost to Kyrgios in the third round, so or second round, if that is. So, you know, I think for Medvedev, he lost in the fourth round to Chilich at Roland Garros, and then the US Open lost in the round of 16, sorry, even. So that will be the fourth round to Nick Kyrgios. So not a great set of results this year for him, especially given he was the US Open champion. And that's why he's gone down the rankings because he was defending a lot of points. For Rublev, and it's interesting, right? Because we're talking about the top 10 players here. I'm talking about how people are underachieved. But of course, you only have four winners in Grand Slams. A lot of guys have gained points from 250s, 500s, and Masters 1000 tournaments. Uh, so those need to be factored in as well. But 
the reason why I'm mainly focusing on Grand Slams is because I think that those are the tournaments where you can gain or lose the most amount of points, right? As, I guess, highlighted by Daniel Medvedev at seven. Rublev, now, he had a interesting year. For me, I find it very hard to know whether he's going to win a slam or not. I feel like he has the... He has a limited game. He does. He is trying to add to it, as is Medvedev, by the way. Both players, I can see, trying to come to the net and transition forward, which is great. He lost to Chilich uh, in the quarterfinals of Roland Garros, which is a pretty good result, quarterfinals. I mean, nothing, I think he would have just been disappointed to lose to Chilich because he would have gone into that the favourite. US Open, he lost to TFO in three sets, which... You know, two tiebreakers and 6-4. No real shame in that. TFO played some really good tennis at the US Open. Of course, beating Rafa as well, making the semifinals and pushing the eventual champion Alcaraz to five sets. And, uh, you know, TFO, I think, has to be in the discussion, at least, for top 10 because the talent he possesses is enough for me to really start talking about it. Now, the question is his consistency throughout a year. And, well, that's the thing I'm unsure about, of course. And that's what really gifts you, or that's what really propels you even into the top 10 is being consistent throughout the year, not just in small moments throughout the year. It's, uh, you know, consistently in slams and also those other tournaments I talked about, the Masters tournaments, the 500s, the 250s. So Rublev at the Sheridan Open lost to Chilich again, which would have really hurt him, by the way, in four sets. So... It's a tough one to say whether he'll do better or worse. He could almost do the same, but fourth round quarterfinals is kind of where he's been falling this year. Fritz had a... I mean, everyone's had very interesting years. Fritz lost to Sitzpass in the fourth round on the Australian Open. Arguably should have won it. He was two sets to one up. He did capitulate a little bit there. Uh, but that was a sign of things to come, of course. Beat Rafa at Indian Wells in the final. Very good win there. Lost in the second round of the, the French, which, again, wasn't really expected to do much there, so that's fine. And then lost in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. He was two sets to one up against Rafa. Lost 7-5, 7-6. And a final set tiebreaker in the last two sets. And Rafa was injured. He would have been disappointed to lose that. And then the biggest disappointment for me was the fact that he went into the US Open in good form. Uh, he would have been you know, hoping to get through. He just beaten Kyrgios and Rublev. Lost to Medvedev at the Cincinnati the week before. No shame in that. So coming into this in some good form. Lost to Brendan Holt in four sets. And I think they're quite good friends, if I'm not, if memory serves me correctly. And don't know whether he took his eye off the ball or maybe underestimated him. But either way, that was, uh, yeah, not particularly good. Now for her catch, his year has been... Uh, the good thing, though, for Taylor Fritz is the fact that he made the ATP finals and also he made the semifinals there as well. Uh, and I forgot to mention that Kasper Ruud made the final, of course, of the ATP finals. Djokovic won the ATP finals as well. Uh, let's not forget that. So Ruud made three, two you know, Grand Slam finals and also then a major tournament where the ATP finals is in between a Masters 1000 and a Grand Slam in terms of rankings, points and prestige. So for her catch, it was... A disappointing Wimbledon, where I think, for me, is where he should really be shining and going deep. Lost in the first round to David Fakina. 
came back from two sets to love down, but lost in the final set tiebreaker 10-8. US Open lost to Ivashka in four sets again. That was disappointing, honestly. Uh, he just seems to be able to turn it on when it comes to 250s, 500s, and even some of the Masters 1000 tournaments. But when it comes to slams, he struggles so much. And I don't know whether it's the expectation, people expecting him to go deep because he's done pretty well in the, the couple of weeks before. He just doesn't handle it well. And lost to Manorino in three sets, which to me is a really poor loss. No offense to Manorino, but you know, Kat should be losing to him. At, at the French, it was a bit more understandable. Lost in four sets to Kasparudu, of course, went on to win. Sorry, went on to make the final there. But the other results, I think, are yeah disappointing. So that gives him room, right, to then improve next year. So we've got these 10 players, of course, that will be in contention. Then you also have to talk about Holger Rune, who was in the top 10 uh, just a few weeks ago, actually, and then got kicked out uh, because of her catch. But Rune was at over 100 in the world, broke in to the top 10 after winning the Paris Masters. Zverev's at 12 at the moment, and Zverev has been injured for a majority of the season, of course. Um you know, for Zverev, it's been an interesting one because he lost to Shapovalov in a disappointing performance at the Australian Open, a tournament which, you know, last year, he probably should have beaten Djokovic, actually, uh, at the Australian Open last year. And even at the, at the US Open, I thought, uh, you know, he had enough and maybe didn't play the big points as well as he could have. But yeah, lost in the straight sets to Shapovalov in the fourth round, which would have been very disappointing to him. Uh, Wimbledon didn't play, of course, because he was injured. And the French, he, you know, he had to retire because he lost the first at seven six to Nadal, went to a second set tiebreaker, and then of course he ruptured his ankle uh, and had to stop playing. But before that, he'd beaten Alcaraz in four sets, who was one of the favourites uh, for the French Open. So he'd also beaten Nakashima, Zapata Morales, Baez, who's a good. Clay Quarter had to come out from two sets of love down Zverev to win that and oftener. So Zverev looked good against Nadal as well in that, and you would have expected him to have done decently well at Wimbledon, especially the US Open. He always seems to have success there. Uh, also, people like, I know PCV won a Masters 1000 tournament. I have to be honest, I'm just going to disclaim, I, I don't think he's going to make the top 10, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Cam Nori at 14 at the moment, he may well do. Uh, he's had a couple of very good years, but for me, I just don't think it's going to happen this year. But other people I think we need to talk about, Sinner. Sinner, of course, had some very good results beating Alcaraz at Wimbledon, uh, you know, being two sets of love up against Djokovic in the quarterfinals, uh, losing it eventually, of course, but, you know, good run there. I think he should be doing better at the slams. I genuinely think he's got a phenomenal game. And he's just been a bit patchy in terms of consistency. But generally, uh, for me, he is a contender. No doubt. It's US Open quarterfinal, of course, lost to Alcaraz in a thriller. Thriller of a quarterfinal. Uh, won a few tournaments this year as well. Lost to Djokovic, as I said, at Wimbledon. At the French, lost to Rublev. He was injured. Won the first at 6-1 there. I mean, what could have been? Uh, the fourth round there. Goes on to play Chilich. Would have been the favourite. Well, people think he'd go deep. Australia, he lost to sits pass in a straight sets in the quarterfinals. So he's starting to make his moves. Uh, and, I, and I know he's been injured for a part of the season. Uh, similarly, we have to talk about Berrettini because Berrettini's been injured for a lot of the season. Disappointingly, missed Wimbledon because of testing positive for COVID. 
uh, which was a massive, massive miss. Lost to Casper in the quarterfinals of the US Open. Again, Rubel to make the final. Uh, but yeah, didn't manage to play Wimbledon, which was a big, big, big miss. It's his favorite tournament uh, in terms of slams. Missed the French because of injury and then lost to Nadal in four sets in the semi-finals of the Australian Open. Uh, and that kind of was Bertini at his best in full flow. And he doesn't have a very good record against Rafa. Uh, for TFO, uh, I think we need to talk about as well. And the last one I want to talk about in terms of contention is actually Nick Kyrgios. So for TFO's 2022, he had a very good US Open run, of course, making the semi-finals, beating Rublev, Nadal, Schwartzman uh, on the way there. And then in five sets, he uh, ended up um, losing to Alcaraz in the final set 6-3. Then if we look at the other tournaments, Wimbledon, he lost in the round of 16 to Goffan. He was actually two sets of one up as well, TFO. Disappointing loss there. Um, again, a tournament which I think he would have expected to go deep in. The French lost in the second round to David Goffin. So clearly Goffin having his number in the slams this year in four sets. And Australia, he uh, lost to Taylor Fritz in the second round, which no massive shame in that. But yeah, definitely one to discuss, TFO. Um, Kyrgios is the other one. And actually, I want to talk about Massetti, to be honest with you, because I think Massetti is also one that I would like to kind of think about as well. And Kyrgios quarterfinals of the US Open, of course, losing to Hatchinov. That was an upset. He was, you know, favourite to make the final at that point. Wimbledon made the final, lost to Djokovic, of course. And in Australia, he made the second round, losing to Medvedev, although he had Medvedev's number after that for the rest of the year. So that was a positive sign for Kyrgios and probably of things to come, unless Medvedev manages to... Uh, mix up his game and of course Kyrgios having uh, a couple of good tournament runs as well uh, for Massetti third round lost to Vashka at the US Open of course beat um, Alcaraz in the German Open in a final um, after Wimbledon which is a really good win for me and then at Wimbledon lost to Fritz in the first round that's a really tough draw also, Sitsipas in the first round. He was two sets to one up Massetti, similar to what he did against Djokovic last year in the fourth round, but just couldn't convert. Um, so I'm thinking this year might be the year that he really does push on and manages to close out those type of matches and does cause the upset. And Australia lost in four sets to Alex Dimino. So his clay court game is coming along nicely. The rest of his game, I think, is coming there. Was getting there, sorry, even. So definitely one to discuss. Right, okay, let's do our top 10 then. So, you know, I, I think for me, so from what I've been told and what I've heard, and I'm going to assume everyone's going to stay fit. I'm going to assume everyone can play every single tournament they can play. There's no restrictions. Who do I go for at number 10? So at number 10 is an interesting one, and I'm going to go... A little bit left field, and people might not agree. And I'm going to go Kasparud, and I'll tell you why. Because Kasparud has a lot of points to defend. At the French Open or Roland Garros, he's, he's made the final there. The US Open, he made the final. ATP Finals, he made the final. Also made the final of Miami. He's going to have to defend a lot of points. I would be surprised if he if he matches those results this coming year or does even better. 
He might make final of, finals of other events, but I can't see him, for example, making the final of Wimbledon. I can't see him making the final of, of Australia. In all honesty, I, I could see him making a quarterfinal or a semifinal, uh, but, and he would gain points, of course. But I just have a feeling that it's going to be very hard for him to pick up where he left to fall. In saying that, though, he does play a lot of tournaments. He does. But I wonder whether that might be a little bit... <sighs> Could it be detrimental? I'm going to go... <sighs> Do I go category at 10? Yeah, I'm going to go Casperud at 10. Casperud at number 10. Uh, what we're going to do, by the way, is I'm going to watch this video at the end of 2023. So these are my rankings, my predicted rankings as at 2023 year end. So I'm going to look at it at the end of next year, and then I'm going to see how wrong or right I was. So I'm probably very wrong, honestly. Uh, number nine, I'm going to go for Nick Kyrgios. I think he's going to make the top 10 this year. And, uh, you know, Australian Open's coming up. I have pretty high hopes for him. I think he's going to make the quarterfinals at least. Now, of course, the draw plays a big part as well. Uh, but I don't think anyone's going to want to face him, honestly. Um, and if he comes into it with the attitude he's had for the back end of, or since the start of Wimbledon at 2022, uh, it's going to be very tough to face him, honestly. Now, number eight is really interesting because we then start talking about other players. Um, people like Zverev, Rublev, Medvedev, you know, Djokovic, you know, Sitsipas, Rude, Nadal, Alcaraz, all of these guys now. Fritz and her catch as well are in there, of course. Now, Fritz is an interesting one because Fritz, of course, made the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. But the other results, he didn't go that deep. Now, I expect him to do better than those. So I'm going to go with Fritz, not at eight, but at seven. I'm going to go Fritz at seven. I think he's going to jump up two spots. I think he's going to do better in the slams. I think that will then propel him forward. Number eight, I'm going to stick with Rublev there. Because I do think Rublev is a fourth-round quarterfinal type guy. I, I genuinely do. And in the other tournaments, I think, yeah, he will win a tournament here. He'll make a couple of finals. He will go deep in those. And his game is what it is. I think he's trying to improve it. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does prove me wrong and he goes even further. I don't understand why people think that he's not going to make the top 10 because he's a top 10 player for me. Uh, he's got elite forehand. He does, genuinely. Uh, being to out forehand especially. His serve has bulked up big time. The first serve, he's winning a lot of three points off it. Uh, of course, the second serve... So the work in progress. And the backhand has improved a lot. A lot. Genuinely. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, he can match the type of results he's had this year. I wouldn't be surprised and potentially do better. Number six. Number six, I'm going to go for Alexander Zverev. Uh, I think, I, I do think he's going to have some good results this year. The issue, the, well, the issue for me, I don't know if it's an issue, but the the thing that I'm really thinking about, though, for me is, how is he going to react after having that surgery? I know he's beaten Djokovic in an exhibition match recently, but that doesn't really give me a good gauge of where he's at. The, if he played the tournament before the Australian Open, which I would suggest he should, and maybe with Melbourne Somerset, like Nadal did last year, really did him the world of good. 
course, playing on the courts in Australia and then managed to go on and win it. And he had a long layoff. And in fact, he had a very similar injury in terms of timeline to Zverev. Now, he didn't play uh, for the rest of the year after Roland Garros, but he played an exhibition tournament like Zverev has right at the end of the year. And then he played the Melbourne Somerset. Now, I think Zverev should do the same thing. And if he does, I think we'll then get an idea of where he's at. And hopefully he goes deep in that Melbourne Somerset. And then he can go into Australia um, feeling a bit more confident about himself. But the difference between Zverev and Nadal is Nadal has those years and years of experience to uh, really lean upon. Zverev does not. So I do think he's going to make some runs. I just... Does he win a slam this year? You know, Zverev was... Alcaraz about four years ago, five years ago, he was. He won the ATU finals, beating Djokovic in the final quite a few years ago now. Uh, you know, he was seen as this this prodigy to come through, really challenge the big guys, win slams. He was expected to have already won slams at this point, and multiple slams. Hasn't quite happened for him, unfortunately. The number five is interesting because this is where I have to juggle. So I'm gonna be I'll tell you the players I'm thinking about. Uh, so it's going to be Alcaraz, Nadal, Sitsipas, Djokovic. Sorry, Alcaraz, Nadal, Sitsipas, Djokovic, and Felix. Or Medvedev. Oh, where does Medvedev go, though? Am I saying Medvedev's going to drop out? Oh, see, this is where it gets really interesting now. Medvedev's results weren't great this year. Do I drop everyone down one? Or do I say Zverev's going to have a bit of a normal year? Fritz at nine. I've got Fritz at seven. Rude at eight. Kyrgios at nine. Rude at ten. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm actually going to drop everyone down one. Because I don't... I, like, I think Rude will be there or thereabouts. I just... Rude, maybe that has to be in there. There's, there's no way that he's not going to be in the top 10 this year. Coming, like, surely impossible to even think about that. Uh, so I'm going to put Medvedev at six. Yeah, I think he's about right because I'm not sure he's developing his game. That's going to take him time. Does he win a slam this year coming? Maybe he does. He needs to hope he doesn't run into someone like a Kyrgios. I think Kyrgios is his dynamite. He always kryptonite right at the moment. Nadal as well. Those two players he just wants to avoid completely in slams. And if he does, he'll be... He's definitely got a good chance of winning. And Djokovic, of course, is another one. But Djokovic, he's actually beaten him in a slam. So, and in a final, nonetheless, as well. So maybe he'll feel a bit more confident against Djokovic. I don't know. Uh, played a very tight match against him at the ATP finals as well. But... So I've gone Kyrgios at 10. Rude hasn't made my top 10. He's dropped out. Her catch has dropped out as well. So I've got Kyrgios at 10, Rublev at 9, Fritz at 8, Zverev at 7, Medvedev at 6. So Alcaraz will have a few we'll have a fair amount of points to defend because he won uh, a couple he won Madrid. Of course, he won the US Open. He won Miami. And he won a couple of other tournaments as well. Small tournaments, Barcelona being one as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, hmm. So, yes, 
factor in injuries and stuff as well. I'm going to go sit the pass at five. I have, and I, I just think because I still think he's working on stuff. I do, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on and, and goes deep. And I think Roland Garros is really the tournament he he needs to really try and make a big, big run. I mean, the final last year lost him five to Djokovic. He can win it. He can. And that's the one. If he wants to win his first slam, that's the one to target. I think. I just don't see him. I can see him making semifinals, even finals of the other slams, but next year, this year coming, I just can't see him winning them because if he comes up against Nadal, Alcaraz, Djokovic, Medvedev, or Kyrgios, or any of those surfaces, I think he loses. Uh, so that's my issue. Whereas on clay, I think he's got a good chance of being any of them. Honestly, even Nadal, I genuinely think that. Uh, so four is interesting now. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Nadal. Uh, now you might be like, what? And the reason I'll tell you why because I think it's gonna be hard for him to win Australia. I do, and I know he's had that ablation on his foot, which is that procedure. Which now he says he's walking around pain free. But watching him at the where was it? The indoor Paris Masters kind of highlighted to me the fact that on the quicker courts, it is unnatural. And indoors, I know it makes it even worse. ATP finals is the same thing. But Australia's outdoor conditions, um, so it's a bit more suited. I just feel like there's probably going to be a fully fit field there. And to replicate what he did last year, I think it's going to be really, really tough. I can see him making a semi maybe or a quarterfinal, but I just can't see him going going making a final and winning it. I hope we get a Nadal Djokovic final because these guys aren't going to be around forever, but or even <coughs> excuse me, at some point in the tournament. But yeah, I just I can't see him replicating that. I could see him maybe winning the Roland Garros. Um and this is kind of a spoiler because I might change my mind when I do my predicted winnings for the Grand Slams, but Wimbledon, I can't see him winning it. Like, my initial thoughts is he's not going to win it. The US Open, maybe. Uh, so he has a chance there. I think he's going to have a more streamlined calendar anyway, as he's continually done each year. So I'm going to have him at four. Uh, for three, I'm going to have Felix Auger Aliassim. I've gone big for him, and that's because I think he's going to make big runs. At the slams, that's really where I feel like he's going to gain. I know he's got points to defend at some of the indoor tournaments especially, but at the slams, I feel like he's going to make big runs. I I genuinely think he's going to make a big run. I think he's going to do better than his quarterfinal result at Australia this year. I think at the French Open, I can see him quarterfinal at least. Quarterfinal at least at Wimbledon, quarterfinal at least at US Open. I genuinely feel like what I've seen from him in terms of developing his backhand side especially uh, has giving me confidence that he's going in the right direction. Like he's really shored up that side. It's a lot more solid. Uh, the slice is coming along. He's arguably top five server on tour. And I think percentage wise, he'd or number of aces actually hit the most number of aces in the back end of the year. 
Uh, his serve gets him out of a lot of trouble. It's a sniper and it's becoming more and more consistent. His return is pretty natural and his backhand return has improved a lot as well. In addition to that, drop shot's coming along nicely and the shot tolerance is also improving. And on his backhand side, uh, you know, he's able to stick with most people now, which is a big, big plus. And the forehand, he's got different looks on it because he can hit with more topspin and more coverage over the net. He can hit it flatter. He's got those different variations. And that's why he's been able to have success on the clay this year. So I've gone big for Felix at three. Then two on one. Now I'm going to go Alcaraz at two. Uh, he's got points to defend, as I said. So I think he'll still win tournaments. I think he will. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins on the slam. Uh, but that's why I've gone for Alcaraz at two. And then I've gone Djokovic at one. And Djokovic at one because, as I said, he wasn't able to play two slams this year. He's going to play them this year. I think, well, he's definitely going to play Australia. So, I mean, it's almost got like guaranteed final written all over that. Australia is, to him, almost what it is to... Uh, almost what Roland Garros is to Rafa. Uh, he's almost at that level, to be honest with you. So he's going to love Australia. I know the crowd, but it's going to be interesting to see the reception, etc. But he's going to go deep, in my opinion. And at the French, I think he'll go deep as well, as long as he doesn't get Rafa. You know, at the course, final stage like he did this year. At Wimbledon, he'll be the favourite. US Open, he'll be the, probably the favourite as well, honestly. So, uh, you know, and US Open and... Australian Open he didn't manage to play this year and hardcourt was probably the best hardcourter of all time. So let's see. He's got points to defend the indoor stuff, but again, <laughs> he's the favourite going into that. So he will be world number one, in my opinion, at the end of 2023. Honourable mentions to people. Uh, so I think Holger Rune will be just outside the top 10 like he was this year. I think he will win. I think he will have patches where he'll win tournaments. Uh, not necessarily slams, but small tournaments, I think he'll start having clusters of, of good form throughout the year, but he'll also have dips. Uh, Sinner, I think, just outside. He's uh, He was at the world, sorry, he is at the moment at 15. I think he'll he'll go up. He'll be at like 11, 12. Um, but again, I, I think he, my issue with him is injuries. He always seems to have some sort of niggly injuries. I'm just not sure he can stay fully fit for all of the season. If he does, I think he makes the top 10, but I have my doubts about that. Um, so Holgerun and Sinner just outside. Same for her catch as well. Um, and Francis TFO is the other one. I think those guys are going to kind of make the top 15. I think TFO is going to start to show what he's really about. After the US Open, I think he really got a taste of uh, you know, success and going deep and, and realizing that he's got the ability to go deep and should be expecting more of himself at these slams. I think he will do so going forward. Uh, so my top 10 for 2023 is here. Djokovic at one, predicted top 10 anyway. Djokovic at one, Alcaraz at two, Felix at three, Nadal at four, Sitspass at five, Medvedev at six, Zverev at seven, Fritz at eight, Rublev at nine, and Kyrgios at ten. Thank you very much for tuning in. Remember to hit that like button and do subscribe if you are new. Have a fantastic um, last couple of days of the year and new year, and we'll see you very, very soon. Thank you very much.